I thought that tonight, since our theme was upon the open door, that we would uh, continue that a little bit. Uh, we will get back to the what I was teaching on the law, but tonight I thought we would uh, start off this 14th year with um, uh, the theme that we had for our anniversary, which is an open door. And I know we did some teaching on this before about the key, the key of David in Revelation 3, 8. It says, I know thy works, and behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. So we're going to look at some open doors tonight. Amen. You know, there's nothing worse than when you've forgotten your key, or, or, or locked yourself out of the house, and you realize that you can't get in. But God is the one who has that key, and he can open any door. Amen. He has let us into places financially that I didn't think I could get into. God can do anything but fail. Amen. So we're going to look at some open doors tonight. Amen. And specifically, he says in this scripture, He that openeth, and no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man openeth. So it works two ways. There's an open door for salvation, and there is a closed door for protection. It's, it's, it's a door that works both ways. Amen. He wants to join in. Jacob wants an open door. Amen. So he openeth, and no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man openeth. So there are two aspects to God with this door. One is a door of protection, and one is a door of salvation. So we're going to look at some of that today. Amen. So protection in, in, in opening so that we can go in, and protection in closing that no one else can come in. Amen. And that's what we're going to look at. We're going to look, start off in the Old Testament in uh, Genesis 7-4. It says, for yet seven days, this is with Noah and the flood, and it says, yet seven days I will cause it to rain upon the earth forty days and forty nights, and every living thing, substance that I have made, will I destroy from off the face of the earth. We know this, this story in this um, Bible example of how the Bible says in Genesis 6 that man's wickedness had become so terrible that God dis decided he was going to start again. And Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. And Noah was 600 years old when the flood of waters was upon the earth. And Noah went in and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him into the ark because of the waters of the flood. Genesis 7:16. And they that went in went in male and female of all flesh as God had commanded him. And the Lord shut him in. There was a shut-in. You know, we talk about shut-ins, having a shut-in. This was a special shut-in. Uh, God told Noah to only have one door. You'd have think for such a huge boat, you know, they made a replica of it in uh, Ohio, and it's 400 and something feet long. But in all of that huge boat, there was only one door. God wanted to symbolize the fact that there is only one way in, and he is the way. And he shut the door. The Lord shut him in. And the flood was of 40 days upon the earth, and the waters increased, and bare up the ark, and it was lift up above the earth. In this case, it was a door of salvation and a door of protection. It was an open door before the flood. Anyone who had wanted to come in could have come in. But once the water started to come, it was a door of protection. There was no water or no flood that could get in. So in the New Testament, in Peter, it speaks about the fact that the thing that destroyed everybody also saved Noah and his family because the waters lifted the ark up above all of the flooding and all of the storms. And so we see that in this, this example, it was God that shut him in. And when God shuts you in, nobody's going to open it. Nobody's can take you out. And we're going to look at that theme of protection. I taught about it a, uh, a few Tuesday nights ago. Uh, but let's look some more. In Isaiah chapter 26, verse 20, he specifically tells us through the prophecy of Isaiah, he says, 
Come, my people, enter thou into thy chambers and shut thy doors. There are some things coming upon this earth. There are some things coming upon this earth. I was reading today that um, the rich people, I mean the really rich people now, are building all kinds of security bunkers and, and, and places to go hide. And you know what I was thinking about? The scripture in Isaiah it said that the kings of this earth, they went and they called on the rocks to hide them. Satan knows what's about to happen. And he's warning some of his people. It's unfortunate that God's people seem to be sleeping. Because in this article it was saying all these billionaires and rich people are building all these secure underground bunkers and stuffing it with food and water because they are scared something's about to happen. And they're right. Something is about to happen. In Isaiah 26, 20, it speaks about shutting the door. Come, my people, enter thou into thy chambers and shut thy doors. About thee, hide thyself, as it were, for a little moment, until the indignation be past. For, behold, the Lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. And the earth also shall disclose her blood and shall no more cover her slain. You know, I can't imagine what it would be like being God. In the aspect of looking at what people are doing and their wickedness. From what he created in Genesis, which is a perfect world. A beautiful garden. And with all of the planning and hopes he had for mankind to fulfill. And look at what men have done. The killing, the murder, the, the rape, the, all the things you could name. And yet God has been so patient for so many thousands of years that when finally his wrath is poured out, it's not going to be nice. It says, For behold, the Lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity, their sins, in other words. The earth also shall disclose her blood and shall no more cover her slain. So we see here another a scripture that speaks about the shutting of the door for protection. In fact, the reason we have doors is twofold. One, so we can go in, but the other reason is so that we can stop other people coming in. Right? It's for protection. It's for protection. You ever left your house and then you thought, did I shut that door? <laughs> and you get that, that feeling, wonder if I left that door open. Wonder, I remember one time I... I got up in the middle of the night and realized we had the garage door open half, half the night. And I went and looked and everything was there. But for a moment, God is saying it's time. The door is going to be shut very soon. In the New Testament, he told many parables of the fact that there was coming a time when the door was going to be shut. Scripture tells us, it reveals that Noah preached for a long time, telling them judgment was coming, but not anyone believed except his family. He was only able to save his immediate family, which is a shame that, he, that no one believed or wanted to believe. In the New Testament, it says they became willingly ignorant. You know, when people don't want to know the truth. Because if they start to actually believe it, they'd have to change. And people don't want to change. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, it says, For God hath not appointed us to wrath, he is going to give us a door of protection. The whole reason for the rapture is to take us out of here when God's judgment is going to fall. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to, to do what? Obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. So there is a shutting of the door for protection. There is an opening of the door for salvation. And we see another example of it in um, Exodus 12.3, we see this on the night of the Passover. Again, here is this symbol of the door. They were told to do something about the door, right? They were told to take the blood and to put it on the lintel and on the doorposts of the house, the way in. They were to put the blood on the doorposts. In Exodus 12.3, speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, in the tenth day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And he shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month. 
and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. Of course, this is completely symbolic of exactly what they would do to Jesus Christ, right? That they would take him and they would kill him and he would become the Passover lamb. And it says in verse 7, they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door posts of the houses wherein they shall eat it. It was on the door was the mark of salvation. The Bible says, enter ye in at the straight gate. There is, there is a door of salvation that right now is still open. And if we can apply the blood, the Bible says that the destroying angel will pass over. Amen. There is a door of safety that God has provided. That's why our theme uh, for this anniversary was an open door. Because the door is still open for us to walk in for salvation. Everyone who stayed inside the house on that Passover night where the blood was applied lived. The firstborn escaped death. But if you were outside, if you left the house and thought, well, this is stupid. I'm not staying here. I'm going to go to my own place. I don't want to have to clean up all this blood. And you were the firstborn. You were in big trouble. Amen. It says in verse 12, For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. Against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. So you, unite, you begin to see a pattern here. The door is always related to a, something that's coming about. We saw that in the ark, right? You had to get in the door of the ark to escape judgment. In Isaiah, it said, please get in. My people come, shut your door. Why? Because judgment is coming. Right now, we still have an open door. To the church in Revelation, he said, I have set before you an open door. That means that we can still have revival. We can still go out and talk to people and let them know and warn them of the coming judgment. Verse 13, and the blood shall be a token to you upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood... I will pass over you, that the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite. So in the Exodus story, the door represents a place of safety. If you were the firstborn, you better make sure you were inside that door with the blood applied. If, if you were the firstborn, you would make sure you got a place inside that house. This open door represents protection and a place of safety. Sister Joanne. Expound a little bit more. Joshua 2 verse 19. I'm repeating what you're saying. Yes. Let me repeat it again. Let me repeat it for those who can't hear what you're saying. The scripture. Read the scripture again. Joshua 2, verse 19. And it shall be that whosoever shall go out of the doors of thy house into the street, his blood shall be upon his head. Yes, that's another example where. Jericho was going to be destroyed. But because Rahab the harlot saw, had faith in the God of Israel, the spies gave her a promise that you hang this red thread, this scarlet thread out of your window, and everybody who you bring into your house and shut the door, they shall be saved. But if anyone leaves and goes out the door, then there's no guarantee. No promises. Their blood will be upon them. And so because of obedience, she was, again, another person able to save her whole family. Isn't that something? I'm telling you there's a, a, a connection between the door and salvation. There's a connection between the door and judgment. That's what we see. It's a door of safety. It's a door of salvation. But once it's shut, then judgment is coming. Jesus told the parable, right, of, the, of, the, of the, the ten virgins. Five were wise and five were foolish. 
And when they ran out of oil, they said, can I have some of yours? They said, no, you're going to have to go get your own. And while they were gone, the wedding feast started and it says the door was shut. Do you understand? It'd be a terrible thing to come and find that the door was shut. Amen. It's a door of protection. And in fact, Jesus says, I am the door. I am the door. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the door. In John 1, 29, when Jesus was uh, starting his ministry and he went down to see John, John sees him and it says, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the, sin of the world. John chapter 10 verse 7 says, Then Jesus said unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. See, a lot of people think that they can get to heaven or salvation or God through all kinds of other ways. There is no other way, not according to the Bible, not according to the word of God. There's only one way to God, and that is through Jesus Christ. John 10, 9 says, I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. It's only through Jesus which is the door, can we find salvation? And he says, I've placed before you an open door. That means, yes, go bring people. Go witness to people. While the door is open, we have the opportunity to witness, to be his disciples. Amen. In fact, in the scripture there, the name of the harlot, anyone remember her name? Rahab. And that sounds very close to Rehoboth. Because in the Hebrew... The words are almost the same thing. It means big or wide, an open place. God making room. He has opened the door wide. Amen. That's why uh, the curtain that was a kind of door in the temple when Jesus died, what happened to it? Ripped in two, meaning the way was made plain. I'm going to be talking about that. The door was opened. Amen. So we are blessed today that God has promised us to set before us an open door. In John 5, 24, he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Why? Because we've entered in to Jesus. Because he's, he says that I am the way, the truth, and the life. Sister Mary. Absolutely. In fact, I'm going to touch on that, that very thing later. Sister Mary said when, the, when God placed two cherubim to guard the way back into the garden, was that symbolic of the door being closed? And it was. The only relationship man could have to God after that was through the law, which is what we talked about before. And even then, the door was still closed. We could not come close, anywhere close to the Ark of the Covenant. Only the Levites could come close, and even they couldn't really come that close. There was still a curtain, a door in other words. And only one man, once a year, on the Day of Atonement, could actually go behind the curtain in front of the Ark of the Covenant, or else he would die. And he would still die even then, if he, if he wasn't consecrated. I'm sure he, he took that job very, very seriously. He made sure that last week that there was nothing that could defile him. Nothing that would, when he went behind the door. But then there was one night when the angel came and said, peace on earth. I talked about this with the law. Goodwill towards men. Because here was the start of the way being open. I'm getting way ahead of my lesson. I'm going to be touching on that coming up shortly. Amen. Let's look at that. It's a door of protection by redirection. Sometimes when a door is shut, God is saying, go this way. We wanted to go this way, and we think, oh, we're missing out on some great thing. But really, that would be a way of destruction. God is really making us go another way when he wants us to go another way. We see this even in the, in the story about Balaam, right? He was determined to go curse Israel to the point that 
he, he got on his donkey and his donkey could see that the angel was blocking the way. The donkey wouldn't go and he started beating the donkey. Sometimes we start beating the donkey. We're so determined to go this way and God is trying to protect us and stop us. And we're trying to force our way. You know, after I push a little bit and I find the way is blocked, after a while something hits me. Okay, maybe God, you didn't really want me to go this way. You know, when we're sensitive to the spirit, we, we, we get ourselves in a lot less trouble because we don't push and go through the wrong door. Amen. Acts 16, verse 6. Let's look at this scripture. And we see an example where the Holy Spirit redirected Paul. Now, when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden. Isn't this strange? Forbidden of the Holy Ghost. To preach the word in Asia. Now that doesn't make sense. But God had a purpose. Maybe if they'd gone that way they'd have been killed. Right? Maybe God was protecting them at this season. And they passing by Mycenae came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia. And prayed him saying. Come over into Macedonia and help us. God wanted them to go to Macedonia. Paul was wanting to go to Asia. But God blocked the way. Sometimes God is blocking the way and we're not listening. And that's why we get into trouble. I've, I've done that a lot of times, been blockheaded, as they say. You know, I think I know what I want to do. This is what I'm going to do. And even though this, the way gets difficult, I'm still trying to push to do that. Like Balaam. But God had another way. Sometimes when God shuts the door... You know, you went for a job and it didn't get it. Still give him thanks. Still say, thy will be done. I've said this many times. The greatest thing that we can say, if we mean it, is thy will be done. If you can say that under any circumstances, man, you, you've come far. When you get disappointment, thy will be done. When you lose the job, thy will be done. When you can't find your keys, thy will be done. He may have saved you from an accident. Delayed you a minute and then you come by later and there's a big traffic jam and you wonder what happened. It was an accident. A minute earlier you might have been in that accident. Thy will be done. So sometimes the door of protection is a means of God redirecting you some other way. Amen. And that happens even in a storm. Look at this. In Acts 27, 20. When Paul was um, uh, on his one of his missionary journeys... It, and when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, he's in a storm. All hope that we should be saved was then taken away. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. Paul was, was supernaturally uh, encouraging them, because it looked so bad they were in this storm for so many days. And the soldiers were going to kill all the prisoners, because... That was the standing orders. If it looks like you can't secure these prisoners, then you're to execute them. That was how it went in Roman days. And Paul says, no, don't do that. We're not going to lose a single person, but we are going to lose the ship. Sometimes you lose the ship. Sometimes you lose your ship. That's what happened to Job. He lost everything. But God told Satan, you can't touch his life. You cannot touch his life. Yeah, you can take his money. You can, you can take his wealth. You can even make him sick. But you cannot touch his life. So sometimes we go through life and we lose a lot of things. We go into storms. And it may seem that God has forgotten us. But here's what Paul says. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer. They must have looked, like, looked at him like, Are you crazy? <laughs> Can't you see we're in a storm? We're all going to die. What do you mean be of good cheer? Because sometimes, even in a storm, God's door of protection, you though you may not see it, is right there. Here's Paul explaining why. He says, For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve. Isn't that a great statement to say? I belong to the king of kings. I belong to the greatest being that there is. And, I, and his angel showed up and told me we were going to be okay. Saying, fear not, Paul. Thou must be brought before Caesar. God had told him that years ago. 
When God gives you a promise, it doesn't matter what happens in between. God gave Abraham a promise, in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. So it doesn't matter if his seed were to die, God's got to bring him back. Here Paul had been told many years ago, you're going to prophesy, you're going to bring the gospel before kings and emperors. So no matter what happens to you, Paul, you're going to end up in Rome. So he says, saying, fear not, thou must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Your life can affect everyone around you. In this case, because of Paul, all of the other people on that ship were saved. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. For I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. Now that takes some faith. When the door looks shut, the storm is blowing. But if you have faith, God can take you through. Amen. So there is an open door of protection. There is an, a shut door as well of protection. Acts 12.5 Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth, the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. And one of the amazing things about this is that he was sleeping. How many of us would be sleeping? No, we're going to be killed in the morning. <laughs> Think about that. He was fast asleep. The angel had a hard time waking him up. You know what? Because he probably had that attitude to, to, to live is for Christ, to die is gain. If I get killed tomorrow, I go home to heaven even sooner. The angel had to wake him up. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him and a light shined in the prison. And he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off. In this case, the prison doors all started to fly open. Now, I've been to prison a few times to visit people. And most times, I, I count the doors. I count, I've counted the doors I had to go through. And most of the time, I, last time it was five doors from here to, to get in to see them. It was about five different doors and every time I go deeper into them, I go, okay, that one is shut behind me. <laughs> this one is shut behind me. In this case, the angel opened every door. God can let you out of any prison that Satan has stuffed you in. Amen. When you trust him, he can open every door. And not only that, the chains fell off of him. And his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, gird thyself up, put on your sandals, let's go. The doors are open. And so he did, and he said unto him, Cast thy garment about thee, and follow me. See, God can open doors that are shut, that no one else can, can open. In fact, it's said that he had 16 soldiers guarding the one man, because he was afraid of what was going to happen. But you can't stop God. There's no way you can stop God. Psalms 91.11 says, For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways I'm, as I'm reading that I'm just remembering all the times God has delivered me and I've told you my testimony the one that was so vivid was as I said a car came straight across the median at like 80 miles and I was straight at me as I was going down the freeway and I'm thinking I don't know what it was so fast it was incredibly fast it was like in 10 seconds or less it was all over and somehow at the last minute he missed me and then I started shaking <laughs> It was so fast. The angel of the Lord encampeth around them that fear him. Maybe just as how he told Peter, sorry, Paul, that he was going to have to go to Rome and prophesy to Caesar. Maybe God had secretly said, you're going to have to come to Milwaukee, so you can't go yet. <laughs> you're going to have to go to Milwaukee and pastor that church. Amen. See, when God has a plan for your life, don't worry about it. No one can steal it. No one can take it. Because he has set before you an open door. An open door. In fact, this time, I'm going to jump back to the Old Testament. Look at this door that was shut. You know the story of Daniel, right? They got so jealous of him, all of the people, because he, the king liked him and he was so honorable and a man of integrity that they said the only way we can get him is if we come up with something to do with his love of God and his worship. Maybe we can get a law passed that says you can only worship the Babylonian God. So that's what they did. And you know the story. He got thrown into a lion's den. 
But in this case, what, what got shut? The lion's mouth. See, the door in this case was shut. No matter how hungry those lions were, they had no taste for Daniel. <laughs> they looked at Daniel and said, mm-mm. <laughs> then the king commanded and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said to Daniel, Thy God whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. Even the king had faith. He believed that somehow Daniel was going to come out of this. And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. And when he came to the den, this is verse 20 now in the morning, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant, that's the key, of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee? And of course he said, Oh yes. Then Daniel said unto the king, O king, live forever. My God, let's say that, my God, God. hath sent his angel and and shut the mouth of the lion. Amen. That they have not hurt me, for as much as before him innocency was found in me, and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. And you know what happened? All them other lords and stuff that had been conspiring against them, they were thrown in. And there was no mouth shut then. <laughs> no mouth shut then. See, the two doors, one of protection and one of salvation, God can set before us both. He can open the doors we're to walk through and he can close the doors so that we don't walk through and also that no one else can get to us. Amen. It says, because thou hast kept the word of my patience. And this is the key. I've been telling certain people uh, in the last three weeks, patience. Your situation demands patience. That's what it is. Just hold on. Do not give up. Patience. If you will keep the word of his patience... Here's his promise. I will also keep thee from the hour of temptation which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. You see, this is not only uh, a door of protection, but it's also a door of salvation. Amen. Amen. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Amen. He is the only way. That's why in the ark, even though this thing was almost 500 feet long and, you know, several stories high, there was only one door. I can imagine Noah's son saying, but Dad, if we had more doors, we could actually load this thing so much faster. It's going to take hours. It's going to take such a long time. With one door, you see how many animals we have to get in here? We could get the foodstuffs in here. He said, nope, that's what God's plan is. See, God's way is not our way. In our little puny thinking, we would have said, well, we'll put five doors this side and five doors that side. But God wanted to symbolize is that there is not five ways to him. There is only one way. There's only one way. He's the only way. Amen. He is the, the, tr- the way, the truth, and the life. So the way, the truth, and the life. So th- those doors... There's only one door that will lead to the way, the truth, and the life. In Genesis 3.24, and here is your point. He drove out the man and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword that turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. You see, once that door was shut, when man had sinned, he could not come back into God's presence as he was because he would die. Because we were now imperfect creatures. A lot of times the things that we try and do just seem like, well, that's what we should do. Let's just do that. And that's what Proverbs say. It says, there is a way which seemeth right unto the man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Many times when we try and make a choice based upon our feelings or what our flesh wants, we're in trouble. So now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and wrap this up and bring this all together now. See, that way was blocked from the time of the garden. The entrance into direct communication with God, with the King of Kings, was blocked. It always was through priests or through uh, animal sacrifice. or through, But you, not many people could deal directly with God. And 
The Bible reveals this. In Exodus 33:20, he says to Moses, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. And that was the truth. As a, as, as a spirit being, the Bible says, No man hath at any time seen God. But we find in Hebrews, God prepared a body and came down. That's why the Bible says he is the image of the invisible God. In Hebrews 9, 2, the writer of Hebrews is explaining something very deep here. He says a tabernacle was set up. He's explaining the Old Testament. He says in the Old Testament, there was a tent, a tabernacle. In this first room, in the first half of the tabernacle, were just the three things, the lampstand with the seven candles, the table on the right, which had the 12 loaves of the bread, and then in front was the golden altar of incense. And this place was called the holy place. Behind the second curtain was a room called the most holy place, which had the golden altar of incense, the gold-covered ark of the covenant. This ark contained the gold jar of manna. In that last room was the ark of the covenant, which inside God had told them originally to put three things. Uh, the uh, the, the um, law, the tablets of stone, uh, a golden vase that had the some, some of the bread, the manna, and then the rod that Aaron had used that had budded. And so the writer in Hebrews 9 is describing all these things in the Old Testament. And it said, Aaron's staff that had budded. And then verse 5, above the ark were the cherubim of glory. He was describing what this thing looked like. Overshadowing the atonement cover, or what we call the mercy seat. But he goes on to say, but we cannot discuss these things in detail now. Now he says, when everything had been arranged like this, the priests entered regularly into the outer room. They could come into the outer room. But as I said before, only once a year could the high priest come into the inner room. And only once a year and never without the blood, which he offered first for himself and for the sins of the people that the people had committed in ignorance. And here's the key verse. The Holy Spirit was showing by all of this ceremony that the way in, that means the door, so to speak, into the most holy place had not yet been opened or disclosed as long as this first tabernacle was still functioning. What the writer is, is explaining is that when Jesus came, when Jesus came, all of that ceremony, all of that uh, uh, symbol of separation from God was finished. When on the cross he cried out, it is finished. And at the same time, and I know I say this every Sunday almost, that curtain, that door, so to speak, separating man and God. And that's why it says in Hebrews that 4.16 that we can come boldly to a throne of grace. See, the veil, that curtain blocked, guarded the way. What was on it was symbolically cherubims. They had embroidered angels on this big curtain that separated the, the outer room from the inner room. And in Exodus 26, 31, we're told, Moses was told what to put on it. Thou shalt make a veil of blue and purple and scarlet and fine twined linen of cunning, cunning work. With cherubims shall it be made. And now in Isaiah 25, 7, God gave the prophet Isaiah a prophecy of what was going to happen. He says, and he will destroy in this mountain the face of the covering cast over all the people and the veil that is spread over all nations. No one could come to God because the door, the veil, blocked, guarded the way. Exodus 3, 2, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame and fire in the midst of the bushes of Moses. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. He says, Behold, I send an angel before you, and I taught this to keep thee in the way and to bring thee into the place that I have prepared. And I taught this about the Lord. It said, Beware of him. You see, this, this um, separation was guarded. This door was guarded by cherubim. You couldn't get past them, and so you never got mercy. You couldn't get directly to God most of the time. Only when you got directly to God could you get mercy. But then... In Matthew 27, verse 50, it says, Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, 
yielded up the ghost, and behold, that veil, that prophecy that was in Isaiah said, I was going to destroy the veil, that covering that separated man from God. The veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And not only that, the earth did quake and the rocks rent. That's why Hebrews 4.16, I have so many favorite scriptures, but let us therefore come boldly unto a throne of grace that we may obtain what? Mercy and find grace. That means unmerited favor. Not that we deserve it. Unmerited favor. See, the way out of death is also through rolling away the stone. Another door opened. And the graves were opened. See, when God opens that your grave, nothing is going to stop you coming back. My parents have gone before, Brother Tony, Sister Janice, and people from this church. But when God says, open the door, when, when he says, open those graves, nothing is going to stop you know, it is said that if he hadn't said Lazarus, everybody who had ever died, <laughs> he had to say Lazarus come forth. If he had just said come forth, because he is king of kings and lord of lords, everybody who had ever died would have come forth. He had to sp be specific. He had to say Lazarus come forth. And many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city. So we see... That when God opens that door of death, even death cannot be uh, there to stop us. So if we die before the coming of the Lord, there is a door that's going to be opened. A resurrection door. Amen? Amen. A resurrection door is going to be opened. There is also a way out of sin. God has made a door for us of repentance and a way out of sin. In 2 Peter 1.10 it says, Wherefore the rather brethren... Give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. Now look at this. Here's where God is making a door for us. For so an entrance, in other words a door, shall be ministered, shall be served to you, shall be opened unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom. There is a door that is open for us to get out of trouble, to get out of sin, to get out of disaster, a door of deliverance. Amen. That's what it says, for, and so, for so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians he says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. That means that this door is supernatural in character. It can't necessarily be seen with the normal eyes. People will say, how did you get out of that? I thought for sure you were finished. <laughs> I thought for sure you were done for. Well, God opened the door. I thought there's no way you're going to get out of that mess. But God opened the door. I thought you were washed up. I thought they had written the last thing about you. But then God opened the door. For so an entrance shall be ministered, shall be served, shall be prepared for you abundantly. Not a little bit, not a little bit, abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There is a door of truth. There is a door of truth. When we come to him that separates us, we have to walk in truth, the Bible says. We can't walk in deception, but we have to walk in integrity, right? We can't be walking deceitfully, but we have to walk in integrity, it says, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. When we receive the Holy Spirit, that is also a door, a door into truth. That's why I don't understand Christians who say they can't tell if something is true. That's what Pilate said. What is truth? He didn't know what is truth. But if you have the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, ask, 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 and it shall be given to you. It says, for when the comforter is come, who I will send unto you from the Father, even the spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. We should be gaining in truth. If you have the spirit and you're reading your Bible and you're taking in the word, 
Every time you're eating some more truth, you should be growing in truth. Amen. Amen. It says, for how be it when the spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Amen. God is so good. Amen. I'm not going to take a long time here, but I'm almost wrapping up here. I'm going to skip here to, to what I want to show you here. If you could stand with me. In Luke 13, 24, Jesus told them to do what? Strive to enter into the straight gate. In other words, the narrow gate. For many, I said, you will seek to enter in and shall not be able. But when the master of this house is risen up and has shut the door and he begun to stand without and knock at the door saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. He shall answer and say unto you, I know you not. When, sorry, where did you come from? While the door was open, you could have come in, but now it's shut. You see, the open door is now, while there is a chance of salvation, but there is coming a time when he will shut the door. Amen. Amen. There was something I wanted to say before we close here, and I'm looking for the scripture, and then I'm going to, to, to not take a long time. Let me see if I can find it's in John 15. Amen. I had taught a little while ago about the fact that when Jesus was arrested, they really wanted to arrest everybody. And he told them, leave these alone. And they had to leave them alone. Right? They had to leave them alone. Here it is. Now I want you to read very carefully John chapter 17 starting at 14. I'll read it. I have given them, this is Jesus praying in the spirit, I have given them thy word. Remember I taught Sunday the most important thing you can take around with you is the word. And the world hath hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world. And I pray that all the time, Lord, just come and take me out now. But that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. Now, this is what I want to point out to you. Remember I said that while he was with them, he said, while I was with them, I kept them. But now physically I'm leaving. So I want you, Father, the Spirit, to keep them from... No, he didn't say evil. That's what I wanted to point out. It was specific. It's not keep them from evil, because that could be everything. It said the evil. It's speaking about something specific. Right? It didn't say keep... That's, this is what I wanted to point out. We read it and we, we miss that he's speaking about something specific. He didn't say keep them from evil. We will, we will have evil people attack us. No doubt about that. But when it says the evil, it's Satan. That's what it's speaking about. Satan, I believe, cannot attack us directly. He cannot. He can only use people. And that's the same thing he said, but more explicitly in the Lord's Prayer. See, God was putting a door. In the Lord's Prayer, it says, Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive them that trespass against us. And he goes on to say, And keep us, keep us from, and it uses the word, the evil. If you look it up in the translation, you'll see the most modern translations don't say evil, but it says the evil. Satan, I believe, cannot attack a Holy Ghost-filled believer directly. He can only attack through someone else, through a physical person. But he cannot attack you directly because we have been promised to be kept from the evil. In other words, in other translations, it's more explicit. It says, the evil one. So I want to let you know that the door of truth, the Holy Spirit, will shut against Satan's direct attacks. Jesus said to Peter, I prayed for you that your faith fail not. God has prayed for us that our faith will not fail, and he has promised he will keep us from the evil one. Amen. He's not going to take us out this world yet. 
but we are not of this world. Hallelujah. You should not believe that this world is your home. As the song says, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Amen. And that is, should be our attitude, that we are, we are protected directly from Satan. That doesn't mean that we can't be, be killed by evil people, but Satan cannot come directly against you. Just as the word says, it says, sanctify them or separate them through thy truth, thy word is truth. There is a door of truth that we can enter in, and his name is Jesus. Amen. And when we have that truth, we are protected. Hallelujah. Amen. We're closing this Bible study tonight on the open door, and I thought we would teach on this because this was our theme. I believe this year can be an open door of blessing, of revival, of deliverance. It's up to us how we approach it. We can be like Daniel and just say, declare the Lord has stopped the mouths of the lions and he has caused no harm. We can be like Noah and we can walk through the door of the ark and safety and God let God shut it and we will be protected against the evil one. Amen. We can have an open door placed before us so that we can bring people in and be a witness and, and an encouragement and a servant to save others, to declare the goodness of God. Amen. That's what I want us to be. And as we go into our next year until the Lord comes, amen, we want to have that attitude that he has set before us an open door. Hallelujah. If you could bow your hearts with me. Father, we thank you tonight for your word. Lord God, you have said you have set before us an open door. Help us to walk through in faith, believing, Lord God, that you have got this. Hallelujah. That you have laid out a plan that this is the way that we should walk, Lord God. Help us to be able to listen and to hear your voice and direction. Help us to not be discouraged, Lord God, even though the storms of life come, but to look, hallelujah, for your deliverance and for your blessing and for your salvation. We give you all the honor and the glory in Jesus' name. Let's give God a praise offering tonight.